gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Welcome to the Hall of Justice. This is episode 195. And if people ask me on Twitter, what is episode 200? No, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. And I don't have a plan. So stop asking. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I binge watched and I haven't been able to binge watch something since the quarantine began. I jokingly say that once, once school got closed, second grade math became my number one priority in life. And then just trying to handle gigs and cover sports and cover entertainment and do all those things became a lot. And I had a binge watch because just last week, season two of the umbrella Academy premiered on netflix and folks i'm just gonna say this right now season two kicks ass it's so stinking good and we are going to do what we're known for here at the hall of justice we are going to spoil the bejesus out of it so if you haven't seen it pause this don't listen to the rest because we are going to go through it and we're giving the plot points away uh so just guaranteed and you've been warned now in order to do the review, we have someone from the show, Grace, the mom, who was a robot, but spoilers, is no longer a robot or wasn't a robot because there's time travel involved. And she is outstanding in this series. Like I said, season two is so, so good. Jordan Claire Robbins is her name. And we are so thrilled that you are joining us on the Hall of Justice. Jordan, congrats on season two and welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm great, Seth. I'm happy to be here chatting with you. I asked this of, of every person. How is quarantine? Are you safe? Are you okay? I, I understand you're in Canada and they're doing so much better than the United States right now in terms of COVID. So uh, is there a spare room that we can all go to? <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't envy um, you guys right now. I mean, obviously, this is a, a global issue. Um, but I mean, Canada, Canada's doing pretty well overall. BC did, has done really well with it as well. Um, so I, I definitely feel very grateful to uh, feel safe and have just been taking extra precautions and quarantining like everyone else. Um, but it's been great. I mean, like you, I've just been kind of binging catching up on all my favorite Netflix shows and working out and baking and cooking and just using this time to catch up on the things I don't normally have time to do. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. And it's so funny because people who are watching old timey stuff, like I, I see people going, oh, I'm rewatching the Batman movies and all that. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? There's all this new stuff out there. There's so many new shows and I can't keep up. And I swear, I, I want to do a full review of Ozark. I can't get through it. It's just, it, there's, there's so much uh, new content. And the Umbrella Academy came at literally the perfect time because it's 10 episodes and it's just like season one in that it comes out all at once. That's the Netflix model. And it has burst on the scene. And we're recording this four or five days after it came out. And the reaction has been really, really positive. Have you seen the same? Yeah, definitely. I think I think um, myself, like all of the fans of the show, were super excited and it couldn't come soon enough. Um, and I do think it was perfect timing, Seth, because it just comes right in the middle when everyone's ready for something new. And, you know, we've been in the, in the middle of this madness for a few months now, and it's it's nice to have something really positive and exciting to put our energy into. And I binged it all in about 24 hours. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I love the show just as much as as all the fans. And um, yeah, so far, the, the reaction has been really, really great. 
You know, the one thing about that, you know, the, uh, binging, and it, it's it's hard it, it because it takes a lot of your time. And these aren't the kinds of shows where you can just casually watch. And I tease and I, I make fun of other shows because you can have them on in the background and do whatever you're doing, but not Umbrella Academy. Like this, you have to pay attention. And I think the biggest benefit, and again, we're spoiling this, so if you haven't seen it, this is your last warning. The The <laughs> best part about this is, season two you don't have to introduce everybody again not to right. say that that's boring but you, there's so much character development in season one that the plot was kind of dragging a little bit in just the sense that i want to know who your character was and i want to know who vanya is and allison and, and 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 all of them and i now i know everybody so now i want to see where it goes and this season does a remarkable job of even though they're all in the past they all have separate storylines that were gripping. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. I loved that about the season two. And you're right; it takes time to build a, a world that is so complex as uh, the Umbrella Academy. That obviously right. takes a lot of time. And and now everyone knows the characters so well. We just get to enjoy seeing um, these different narratives play out and and them deal with different challenges and get to know themselves more and get to know each other more and. Um, that's where it gets really fun. So I, I loved this season. I loved what they did with it. It was just so clever and so many layers. And let's get your, your role out of the way, you know, cause you, know, <laughs> you, you come in and you, I think it's six, you would know better that the episode number where you just emerge when they yeah. go to see, to have the dinner with the dad and they're all dying and they're all, they all don't want to do it. And then all of a sudden they see you and you're not a robot. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Take um, us, yeah, take I us can, through that. Well, I I, I uh, appear for the first time as Human Grace in episode four, um, four. and they okay. kind of they kind of build on that as it goes on. Episode five, you find out more about the character and sort of what she's about, and that she's passionate about science and works for NASA, and and you know has this huge role to play in Hargreaves's life and and Pogo's as well. So that's that's really beautiful to see the backstory on that. Right, right. Um, right. Yeah, and then obviously the effect it has on Diego, poor Diego, seeing his ghost of his AI mother appear across the room at a party um, would be pretty, pretty shocking. Um, and and David handled that scene so amazingly well. Um, but yeah, they they kind of they kind of you know use my character and then the backstory to, to push Hargreaves's story further along and the whole JFK thing. So that's cool. Yeah, and that there's a historical aspect to it because they think they have to uh, stop Kennedy from being assassinated, which reminds mm -hmm. me of the the Stephen King, uh, James Franco was in that show, uh, uh, the Stephen King oh. miniseries, eleven twenty two sixty three, where he goes back, yeah. and it's the same thing. He goes back three years, so they have time to kind of he has to befriend Oswald and all that stuff, and that's a great great show as well. And the whole idea of it all culminating with that, and you. I mean, folks, we, we know what happens. I mean, you, you know what happens. And mm -hmm. that's where you don't know that this storyline, especially for such a high percentage of people that hadn't read the comic book, that storyline is not going to change history. That John F. Kennedy is still going to be killed and it's not the end of the world. And this idea, ha you don't know that. So in 8, 9, and 10, as that's building up, you already saw the world decimated once and you don't know what's going to happen and isn't that the best suspense like you're doing something historical but yet at the same time you're doing it and you don't know what's going to happen next yeah i'm i'm a huge history nerd i love i love um anytime a show honors history and kind of weaves it into the into the narrative of the story and i think that the writers did such an incredible job and our showrunner steve blackman such an incredible job of um, honoring what happened, but also having it serve the story and using the Umbrella Man and all the different details about the assassination. And, and it was, I was just so dumbstruck by how well it all came together and served the story this season. It was really, really, really intelligent writing. Oh, it, 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 it's brilliant. And it, 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 there's so many different layers. Okay. Uh, since we're since we're spoiling, and I do want to ask a lot about your background and, and, and get to know, but since we're spoiling and, and folks are, are so anxious, of the of the of the kids in the Umbrella Academy, 
who's your favorite? Who had the best storyline in season two in your estimation? Oh man, that's so hard to choose. They all were so good. Like you said, they all, they all had their own distinct kind of journeys this season. I don't know if I could choose. I loved aspects of all of them. I love Ritu Arya, who's the, she played Lila um, and Diego. I thought the two of them just had the most incredible. Um, she steals it. I mean, she steals oh her scene. God. She's so amazing. And I thought David really brought it and just the two of them together. It was electric, just watching two masters at play. And I am obsessed with Kate Walsh as the handler. I thought she was brilliant this season and, and seeing her also interact with Amber too was, was amazing. Um, I thought Tom did a really good job. He was hilarious as Luther and then Allison, like what an, what an important storyline. And, and so um, such perfect timing with what's going on in our world right now um, for, for that storyline to be playing out. Um, and then as always five is, is so incredibly brilliant. And then, Oh, I just love Ellen. Um, you know, her storyline this season was, was so deep. heartbreaking. That was deep. Yeah. Oh, the performances were beautiful. It was so gut wrenching and, and Marin Ireland is, is so talented. The two of them, I just thought worked so well together. I just, as you can tell, I'm obsessed with this. No, season. you're gushing. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and it's very I, similar. It's very similar because people ask me, they said, well, you're having an actress on the from the show to do the review. Can you be fair? And I can because we're being honest and and yeah. and and we're we're not selling the show. The Umbrella Academy did not ask us to do this podcast. That That's not how we're doing this. And it's really it's that good. And uh, this reminded me of a, a similar show that we did an episode on uh, the boys, the boys. Oh, yeah. The Boys is a, a brilliant show, also, and we gushed about that. And there wasn't one thing I criticized. Like I didn't, I didn't have one thing to criticize. And I remember I didn't have somebody after season one. There wasn't somebody else who had seen it. Victor Dandridge, who does a great job on our reviews, he does a lot of our movie reviews, and he's such a big part of the podcast. He hadn't seen it, and so it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And we did some other things with the show, and we hadn't done a true umbrella academy uh episode so it's it's great to be able to talk to you and and i was telling some people that that helped us set this up it, i don't binge watch like i don't watch things <laughs> in five days but there was no way i was having you on the show and not having seen it because there's that's not the way podcasts work right yeah well i'm I'm really happy to be a reason for you to binge it because it's so good and and you know i'm sure that you're happy you did it too noise 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 smoking weed smoking weed doing coke drinking beers pack her ass smoke up man time to kick back drink some beers and smoke some weed we'll get back to the hall of justice in just a moment but first a message from my friends wait jay and silent bob I know we had Kevin Smith on the podcast recently, and a lot of you are listening. That also came to the podcast because of that. They have two games that I want to tell you about. They're card games, not digital games. We're not talking about something on a computer. You can play this with your friends. You can play this with your family while we wait out the quarantine. We have the Big Fat Card On game. It's ideal for fans of card games, comics, superheroes, cringeworthy decisions, and smack talk. There's three play modes. You can do price mode, pick mode, battle mode, and sold on Amazon. Anywhere you can find it. Customer reviews, currently 4.9 out of 5. And the content, yeah, it's Jay and Silent Bob, so you know it's totally inappropriate. Then they have the Smell My Finger game. You have to see this to believe it. Created by Jay and Silent Bob decades ago, now sharing their love to sniff and rip. There's 12 wearable fingers that are used in the game, and you compete with your friends, picking scents of your choice, placing them in the fingers, battling, earning points for smelling correctly. That, currently 4.8 out of 5 on Amazon. The scents you use for the game can be found in your own home or wherever you want to go to find funky smells. That's up to you. The party game that smells like fun. Smell my finger and the big fat card on game. Yes, there's a play on words. It's from Jay and Silent Bob. Who else? I thought Allison's story was incredible because yeah. 
if you remember at the end of season one, spoilers again, um, at the end of season one, you know, she can't talk. And you don't know that she's going to get that back. And I thought the backstory and they, and and this is a very, um, a very strong cinematic uh, play where the, the opening scene was a backstory for one of them, you know, like a bridge story, not a backstory, but a bridge story. And you see, and it's not for a while, but you see Allison and how she kind of gets involved and she can't talk at first. And she goes into that, that beauty parlor or am I calling it that uh, whatever whatever it's called yeah yeah, yeah. beauty parlor and it, well if it was men it's a barber shop but that's not a barber shop that was a beauty parlor no <laughs> yeah beauty parlor <laughs> <laughs> like you can't call that and I think of my grandmother like you go into the beauty parlor like that's what that's yeah. what I remember <laughs> um <laughs> but she but she gets in there and she's running from those people and she she gets in there and she she can't talk at first and you see the evolution and how she changes her hair and she looks so different. And then there's that one scene when, you know, in that, in that bridge scene where you see her as she looked last year or last season and you see the evolution and it just connects all the dots. I thought of all the stories and it's not to knock anybody else. I thought her storyline was the most gripping. Yeah, it was, it was definitely very compelling. And like I said, it's, you know, the timing of it, it, it just really resonates. And um, Emmy did such a, a beautiful job. Um, and, I, and I agree with you, the evolution, it was fascinating to see her go from being very vulnerable and, and very much on her own and can't even communicate. And in a time that was extremely hostile, when you were black, it was a really difficult time in so many ways. And, and she finds her family and she builds a world and and then seeing her have to cope with her old life kind of coming back in and and reconciling that with how much she's grown in this movement that that's so important that she's um put her life into it was just it was really powerful i agree I, it's it, it's it's a great show it, it just it's it's really great there isn't a lot of pogo your scenes with the monkey are really the only scenes. I mean, and then they send him to space. Uh, it really was 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 nothing, not not a big role for him. But they have the guy with the fish head. <laughs> yeah, AJ. Yeah, the the commission. That was what a cool character. What, what eh? in the world was that? <laughs> I just love it. It just it's just such a testament to how quirky and and interesting and cool the world is that Gerard Way and Gabriel Bob built, you know, like they just, that it lends itself so well to this sort of offbeat, different, kind of weird, but really interesting, fun world that the whole story is set in. (laughs) When when you got the initial role for season one, um, did you read the the comic? Did you stay away from that? I've heard all different kinds. Some people run to the comics and they read that stuff. Some people don't. And I'll, I'll admit, I did not read the comic until after I saw season one because it wasn't a mainstream comic book and it wasn't something, again, it's, it's, you're juggling a, a career and a family and all these things. And, yeah. who has to, you know, but, um, and I would imagine, I, I have to guess more than 75% of the people who are watching this on Netflix, it's doing so well on Netflix haven't read the comic book did you know all of that and did you immerse yourself into that world via the script or via the book uh well i i also had not read the comic when i got the audition and then when i booked the role that was the first thing i I did was to run out and and buy them and um consume them and i loved them um and was just so excited because i'd heard you know there was so much buzz around it around this project you know everyone was talking about it and then when i had the opportunity to read for it um i had already heard so many amazing things about it it has such a following even though i agree it's not like main you know as mainstream as others it has a huge following um yeah when i read it it just made me so much more excited to be a part of it and the script itself was brilliant and um they they work so well off of each other, you know. Gerard and Gabriel are so involved in the process themselves. So um, it's just this team that has this collective vision, um, 
and it's really cool how how it all works together. I think I think there's a, are a lot of fans who read the comic first and um, resonated with them, which is so exciting to us because you know that's a true sign of having done a really good job. Um, and then there are a lot of fans who have never read the comic who are you know newer to the story that are just as passionate. So it's been really cool to see the two merge. The one thing that has not been um I, I guess I guess you could say it's a complaint uh, is, you know, the story of the Umbrella Academy. And we didn't say this in the beginning because, again, I hope you saw it is mm-hmm. on October 1st, 1989, 43 women around the world gave birth simultaneously, none of them being pregnant <laughs> until labor yeah. began. And there's the seven of them. And, we, you know, because we, we haven't talked about Ben, um, there's the seven of them. And there's so quick math, there's 36 other people. And then you find out that Lila's one of those kids. So now you have 35, 30, yeah, 35. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this in my head and yeah. 35. And you have, that's a treasure trove of stories. And so while the comic book has had a limited issue run, I, I could see you could do seven, eight seasons of this because you're going to keep meeting people from all over the world that are the other 43 the other 35 kids say that again oh, yeah. I, I i couldn't re-record that if i wanted to <laughs> yeah no, no I, you're totally right there there are so many different possibilities with the show i mean you, you introduced the fact that they could there's time travel and there, there's all these different powers and kind of anything is possible really um which is so cool like what a what an amazing um what an amazing thing to have to know that you can go in so many directions and and you have such an incredible team um, making it happen. So I think the possibilities really are endless. Um, it's it's really really exciting. It's pretty pretty amazing. Um, just before we get to you, and I I, I do you're the center of the of the show. <laughs> um, tell how do we discuss again? Say her name, Ritu Arya. Am I saying that yeah. correctly? Yeah, Ritu Arya. I, 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 I've been following this stuff for my whole life. I'm 46 years old. I have never heard of her. I've never seen her before. And she looked literally like she was the scariest person when they're in there, that, that asylum, and she's in the straitjacket. And I'm like, with the big eyes, and she, her eyes are bugging out of her head. And I'm like, holy, who, who is that? And I'm Googling her, and I can't find anything on her. And it was wild. Where did they find her and how was she that good? She's amazing. She's so talented. I just was in awe, in awe of her. Um, I don't know. I don't know what her casting story was. I mean, I know that she, you know, recently spoke about thanking Steve Blackman, our showrunner, for taking, you know, a chance on her. And um, she definitely had has worked before that. And I, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with her work before that. But I think, wow. like myself, this is one of the, biggest things that sort of has given her um a spotlight just because you know i think the umbrella academy and and the scope of that is like it's kind of way above a lot a lot of shows just in terms of how much it's taken off i think that um it's a huge opportunity just to be to be seen to be a part of this amazing world so um yeah i she's a huge asset she she did such an amazing job um i love her work i think she was perfect for the role i think i agree when she first appears god she's just so intense and so funny and and mesmerizing and you don't you don't know where she's from you don't know who she is you don't know any it, it it's so <laughs> strange and you don't find out that she is uh been raised and you don't you know her backstory with five right. kills her parents it's 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 so weaved together so brilliantly. And I, I don't know. I, somebody on social media is welcome to tell me if you thought it was that intricate in season one. I thought, again, season one did not suck, but it, it is so weaved together, so finite in season two. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different world. I mean, they're in a different I wonder time. If, if the writers thought that the showrunner, like you mentioned, like, I wonder if they all felt the same way, too. Um, I mean, I think that there's obviously so, so many more possibilities like we talked about once you've, once you've built that world and you've built that family of characters and everyone's familiar with the different characters, there's so much more room to play, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, I, I think that 
the writers have a really great sense of where where it's all going and how to tie it together and um you know i'm not i'm not privy to like the intricacies sure. of it but definitely they weaved it together in such a such a layered amazing way that i i was just amazed at how it all came you know even even subtle things like in um in in season two when when uh diego had thrown the fire hydrant at the the black hole type thing coming out of the sky in the first yep. season and it it whacks it whacks um luther in the head you know and how that oh, plays yeah. in like i just it's just so so smart and clever and and how it's all it all comes together and and, and he's wearing something and this is the tangents this is why I, this, these can never be short um <laughs> and he's wearing some different uh gorilla thing underneath and please tell me he's really scrawny and has a pot belly can you just tell me that underneath all that that uh, uh prosthetics I mean, I would love to tell you that, but not even close. Tom is I didn't the most. Think so. <laughs> he is one of the one of the fittest uh, guys I know. He's really into health and wellness, and he's his diet and everything. He's really he's very very disciplined. He's one of the most disciplined people I think I've ever met. So he doesn't look yeah, like that by different. accident. Like no, that. it looks it looks it looks. I don't know. He looked different in season two. He looked more gorilla ish. And Kate Walsh, and you met, and, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but you mentioned Kate Walsh and how amazing she is. I, I, ju I just completed uh, 13 Reasons. Have you seen that? Oh, I haven't. I, I've been meaning to watch it just mainly because of Kate and having heard right. that she did an amazing job. But no, it's, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's incredibly dark. It's, it's incre like really, really dark. And it has to do with suicide and, and things like that. But right. Kate Walsh plays the mom of the girl who commits suicide so she's a widow for the entire series and it's wild wow. and 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 the 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 undertaking that she takes on in that show is i mean she's great in umbrella academy don't get me wrong but uh, in in 13 reasons she's she goes on another on another level anyway um wow. so tell us I, I did a little bit of research you were born and you grew up in bermuda and why aren't I you did. there now? And why aren't you there now? <laughs> um, yeah, I did grow up in Bermuda. I, I spent my whole childhood there. I was 18 when I left um, after I graduated from high school. And I went to Canada for university and knew I wanted to act, did a bit of modeling, got my degree in drama and psychology, and then um, started taking some film and TV classes to hone in on that. And just ended up staying and pursuing a career. Um, and that's, you know, I moved to BC a few years back, but then obviously the Umbrella Academy shoots in Toronto. So I've been kind of going back and forth for four to six months um, of every year, the last couple of years. And um, I love Canada. I really do. I love Canada. I, I'm Canadian. My, my mom's side of the family um, is Canadian and um, I really love it here. So yeah, that's why I'm here. I mean, maybe one day I'll, I'll go back to Bermuda once my career is in a place where that makes sense for me. But for now, it's just a really awesome uh, place for me to be. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice. But first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do. And yeah, we talk about it from time to time. But anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. They've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now, every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. 
And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. Did your family choose Canada? Did you cho- you said you were 18, so uh, you might have just done this by yourself. Like, did they stay in Bermuda? Did you go to Canada by yourself? And I, I just I wonder about that, because like I said, I lived in Seattle for a long time. So British Columbia is not a strange place to me. And I love Canada and I'm a hockey nut. So that even <laughs> helps. Uh, but the the idea that like what drew you to Canada? Was it was it work opportunities or college opportunity to explain that part of it, if you don't mind? Yeah. So um, when I when I graduated from high school, I just looked at all the different options for um, university and uh, Canada just was super familiar to me. My mom's uh, sister um, married a, a guy from Calgary and had had my cousins out there. And so I grew up coming out to coming out to Alberta once or twice a year and we would go to Whistler and I learned to snowboard there. And I, you know, loved the snow because it was so different from Bermuda. Funny enough, you know, other friends that were from a cold place would go to Mexico or wherever for vacation, but we always went somewhere cool because it just was the opposite of what we were used to. Um, and then when it came time to choose to where to go to school, I knew, I knew I wanted to do Canada just cause I was the most familiar with it. And I did a big, university tour all across Canada and oh, wow. looked at everywhere. And I just really love, fell in love with UT. I, I loved the campus. It was cool that it was in a, a city. It was close to Bermuda. It's only a two and a half hour flight. Uh, oh, wow. take. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. 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 So that, so that was appealing. Um, I loved the architecture of UT. I'm embarrassed to say that was, had a huge <laughs> bearing on why I chose it. It was just so it really? bizarre. Wow. Yeah, it, it really did. It looks like Hogwarts, which is, a very stupid oh. reason to choose your university, but, but it also, you know, it's obviously up there in terms of, I don't know if you know this, it's like one of the, it's basically like an Ivy league school of Canada. So it's, um, uh-huh. it's uh-huh. got, it's got like, yeah, it's got like a good, it's got a good, um, reputation in Canada and, and it had a good drama right. you program. Didn't, you didn't pick it because of a building. It, 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 it's, it, it, it Well, yeah, there was a lot that went into it, but it was right. it, a huge part of it was the architecture. I was like, I want to go to Hogwarts. So <laughs> there I went. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, for the, for the audience, uh, my, my, my stuff in Vancouver is not nearly as glamorous. And if you search really hard, you'll find an ad that I did Because in 1999, when I was uh, living in Seattle and working with the Mariners and the Seahawks and the Sonics, uh, I had laser eye surgery. I had LASIK in Vancouver. (laughs) This this place came to our radio station. There's like, does anybody want to try this? And we'll do it. And if, you know, if it works, uh, you know, if it works. uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. When it works, when it when it when it works. Um, you'll do a bunch of commercials for us. And it was an opportunity. And I actually it made some, some real money on it. But they did a photo shoot. And I'll never forget this. And I was 20, 1999. I was 25 <laughs> at this point. And I did a photo shoot. And we took a bunch of pictures. And it, this was newspapers and magazines time. Like this is this is not it's, you know, it's not digital, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know if this exists online. I know, I know where it is and it's in my closet. And there was a, there was a full page uh, newspaper ad for this place, uh, Lexington Laser Vision. I remember it. And I was the picture, but the thing that they did was they took my picture and above it, their big headline was, I scored big. <laughs> Well, that is a very strong message to be sending out. (laughs) And and I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to do a sports analogy. I know what they were trying to do, but man, did they not. And that thing got cut out and and taped to the walls of every studio (laughs) that I ever went by. And everywhere I went, I was the guy who scored big. And that's my Vancouver. That's my Vancouver memory. (laughs) Well, I wish I had one that's as awesome as that. I mean, that's that's pretty much as as amazing as it gets. 
Well, when you said when you said you wanted to go to the school for the buildings, and I was <laughs> I was going to try to work a scored big uh, joke in there, and I was like, I can't I can't shoehorn this in. I can't. There's, yeah, there's, you got to give me no some back. Um, yeah. when, when, when in this, in this, uh, well, first of all, you're, 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 you were very, um, uh, uh, uh polite, but you're saying you're a genius and uh, you're humble, <laughs> but, but you're saying you're a genius. So we know you're really smart. And when did you decide acting was going to be a thing you were going to do? Uh, I, I definitely knew I wanted to act at a young age. I was always really into making everyone that was around me watch me me sing and act and I would be in the yard talking to myself making up stories and I just always really loved stories I loved reading and then I got really into writing writing stories and then I got into writing plays and in high school or middle school I guess um I remember I wrote I wrote a play for my class to perform and then I I started doing musicals at school and that was where I got my first taste of being on stage and um and I just loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. And then um, by the time I was 16, I had done a number of musicals and was really interested in film and TV. And um, I also did a lot of music growing up. I played the flute and piano and I was classically trained in singing. And so I was always on stage for, for that, just performing musically. And then um, it was just sort of a natural transition into acting. And then when I realized that film and TV, just the, the nuances that could be captured and all that went into the process. I just got very fascinated by that. And um, and then I also really loved psychology and, and learning how mind, how people's minds work and child psychology and what makes us who we are and you know what motivates us. That was always really fascinating to me, which is obviously, you know, a huge part in acting and understanding character. But um, I decided I wanted to get a degree um, in drama and psychology and kind of bridge the two. And then Ooh. Toronto had some really awesome film and TV classes. So it was a really great place for me to start out just learning and getting comfortable on camera. And Vancouver is where they filmed Smallville. And now they film all the DC shows like Supergirl and uh, the flash mm. and arrow and all of those. And they all rave about Vancouver and, uh, it's so funny to think like that's the play. Like the two things I knew were the 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 hockey arena and and this place where I got my eyes fixed, and that was <laughs> that was literally it. And like everybody, and they're all talking about that. And actually, that's one of the things that is hopeful that a lot of the sci-fi superhero shows can return because again, Canada's doing well. And um, you know, just just to make one sports analogy, the NHL was not stupid when they changed their isolation bubbles. The bubbles were originally going to be in Las Vegas, Columbus, or Pittsburgh. And wow. when the United States went bonkers in terms of with the tests and the, and, and, and the spikes all over the country, uh, Gary Bettman, without having to make one political inappropriate comment, he just said, nope, screw this. We're moving to Toronto and Edmonton. And I yeah. just thought it was, I thought it was the smartest thing. And we've had on this show a member of the Canadian Parliament. Uh, Lenore Zahn, uh, hey, she, she, I, I, I couldn't tell you, but she's on the East Coast um, in, in um, near Ottawa. Uh, but she was also, she's a member of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's parliament. And she was also the voice of Rogue on X-Men, the animated series. Wow. What a, it was what the a weirdest cool, the, combination. combination. That's the weirdest combination, right? Yeah, <laughs> I the, love it. And when the quarantine hit, I reached out to her people and I said, if there was ever a time I could have a government official on a podcast called the Hall of Justice and it fit perfectly. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, what do you uh, what do you sense about when you were growing up in Bermuda? What were you exposed to? Like what types of shows did you see that you were like attracted to? And given the fact that digital has taken over, there is literally something for everybody. Like there is a show being made for every walk of life. Any Anything you're into, there's something for it. Um, even the trash, even trash TV is, is expanded in this day and age of streaming. What was it that, what were some of the things that growing up you were into, and it doesn't have to be superheroes, but it, it can be. Um, I know a lot of our listeners will love that it is. Um, <laughs> but what was it that attracted you and that now that you're in this position, 
obviously you'll take work where you can get it, but what are things that attract you? What roles attract you? Um, well, I always really loved old movies growing up, you know, Audrey Hepburn and all the classics and that always, really old always okay, good. Yeah. No, yeah. Old, old. Okay, good. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of them. I just, I just loved, I don't know. They just, just so class, just so classic. I mean, I don't know what else, what other word to use, but I, I loved those. And, um, I don't know in terms of what kind of roles I'm drawn to, I, I don't ever want to get sort of put in a corner I think um the most exciting thing about being an actor is that you can, can try everything you know I, mm. I I love the characters that are really offbeat and and very challenging such as Grace um you know yeah. or yeah, yeah. or someone who's struggling with addiction or um you know just any just anything that really pushes me to explore a very different side of myself or do a ton of research and completely transform myself um, you know, I think a lot of actors have said this, but when, when a role is scary to you and you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm really excited by this, but I don't know if I can do it. Um, that's, that's the stuff that gets me really, really pumped up. Um, obviously the, the like sarcastic fun, sort of like my role on, on Supernatural. Supernatural, um, those types right. Of roles, yeah. Those types of roles are, are also really fun because it's like, they're just this, an extension and just kind of feels like a sweater that you put on all the time, like it just sort of flows out of you. And that's really fun too, because it just, you're able to kind of mold into the character and find the different nuances that are different. But, um, but yeah, I love, I love the characters that are just like really, really out there and really scary and challenging. Those are the ones that excite me the most. Well, in season one, we didn't really touch on this too much, but season one, you're scary as all get out. I mean, you were a <laughs> robot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? I mean, yeah. You, you Sorry. Go. What were you going to say? No, no. No, you take it. Take it. Oh, no. I was going to say, I mean, I don't know. I guess, yeah, there's definitely an aspect that's scary in the sense that you never really know what um, what a technology is capable of, you know, like what what is an AI capable of? Um, that's something that remains to be seen, you know, with, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the robot that Sophia, I think was the name, the robot that was built. It was like the first um, right, right, robot. Right. I remember. Yep. Yep. Very lifelike, um, so which is very cool, but also you know it is it is a little scary, I guess, in the sense of like, oh, what's going on under there? What what's what is this? What is this um, being capable of? Um, but at the same time, what was so cool about that character was that she was so nurturing and so loving and so maternal, and that's what she was programmed to do. But I think it was also what she became um, through developing her own consciousness and her own sort of spark of life in her, even though she wasn't a human. That's uh, very, it, it's amazing. You know what I realized? You you don't get uh, Mary J. Blige, who she's killed at the end of season one. Um, mm -hmm. Mary J. Blige as Cha-Cha. And <laughs> I kept saying, did they know that they were casting a, a, a pop star when they named her Cha-Cha? And I was I, like, I, was, and <laughs> I, I thought for a while she was Hazel. But Cameron Britton was, was Hazel and he's in there for like two minutes and they kind of tie up his story yeah. and he sacrifices himself. But it comes out of nowhere and you don't know if he's going to play a big role or a, or, a, or a small role because you don't know going in. You know what I mean? And, and, and you don't see that as much. And I love that uh, even though it was younger, it's the same actor playing uh, Reginald, you know, the father um, as season one, which I thought was pretty neat because you'd only seen him in flashbacks in season one and now he plays a bigger role yeah. and then of course spoilers yeah. at the end he's alive and god knows where that's gonna go exactly yeah i mean that's the cool the really cool thing about time travel like all of the different directions they can go with that and is it is the character dead is the character coming back you know what what timeline is this it's it's really cool um and i love Compior. i absolutely love working with him he's such an amazing person and amazing actor um and you know I, I i adored cameron and uh mary from the first season they were so great um did you tell yeah, her that a, did you tell her that you're a like a, a singer and a songwriter oh no i didn't but i i mean i <laughs> i was pretty starstruck by her i mean i just remember we were all out <laughs> for dinner one night and and one of her songs came on and i was oh you know, no way I had a couple of drinks and i was like i'm gonna sing mary's song to her and dancing around and she loved it. She thought it was funny, but I was like mortified the next day. I was like, what and on earth possessed me to think that that was like a cute, fun thing to do? <laughs> like, oh, 
my apologies but she's so fun she's just such a fun awesome person uh it it, it sounds great there's one person that he has his own scene stealing moments that we didn't really discuss and that is Robert Klaus? Keehan. Yeah, yeah I knew you were say that because I was we, like, "How did I miss him?" When I was yeah, we did, and, and it, it wasn't it wasn't an omission. Like we're we're just going through everybody, and yeah, he, he is he is a something. Um, <laughs> I, I, I it's brilliant, but wow, he gets into his character and he has no shame. He will yeah. show literally anything. And <laughs> hey, I'm. I'm as open-minded as they come, man. He, he can, he can, he can roll with it, but God, he's comfortable doing anything. Yeah. He's just like very unapologetically himself, which is so endearing and, and lovable about him. He's, he's beyond talented. He's also just really open and like a really lovely kind human being um, with such a big heart and it shows through his, his work. And um, obviously he's really good at those characters that are kind of off the deep end, but then he's able to, you know, bring that, that heartfelt deep performance when he has those, those scenes, like the ones he he has with Dave, you know, and, and when he, and that's the character. I mean, that's what's so cool about the character. He just sort of, uh, it's, it's a big guard that he has up. He, he, he treats the, the bad feelings with the alcohol and the drugs. And, and it's all this act of like, doesn't take anything seriously, but under there, there's a lot of pain and, and, you know, that's very human. It's a very human, thing to do and and lots of humans do that so um i think he just does a, a beautiful job walking that fine line where he's totally unpredictable and totally hilarious but also has that depth to him he's he's so good uh he's he, he's so unique um he's from ireland i heard and, yeah he is. and is he anything like his character <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's a black. I would love to have a friend like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be the one you want. He's just so much fun. And like I said, he's just like a really kind, warm person. But he's he he like I said, un unapologetically himself and and playful and fun. And when he's on set, he he'll improvise lines and he's just like very in flow with himself. And, and you know, that lends itself so well to a character like this who doesn't have a filter um because he just is he's so quick and he's so clever and he's so funny that he's able to kind of tap into that and klaus becomes a lot of robert's clever um ideas what's uh what what's next for you and can you give us any secrets has there been a season three have they announced a season three could we announce a season three right now and i'll break some news right here on the podcast <laughs> Oh man, I wish I, I feel like everyone is like, give us more, including myself. Um, no, no announcements yet. I mean, I think that's pretty standard for the show just came out less than a week ago. And I think they just kind of wait and it's see how it does and make sure that it makes sense for season three. I mean, obviously, I think that season two is magical. So um, I think, you know, we just assume that it's going to go forward, but uh, nothing's nothing's been officially announced yet. Um, and as far as what's next for me, I mean, obviously, this pandemic's been kind of a bit of a damper for the whole industry but there's a couple there's a couple things i can't really talk about that are possibly in the works for me and i've just been using this time i know i know right sorry you're like everyone says that um yeah just using this time to to get really um creative and and be prepared for when everything picks back up and i've been doing a lot of writing which is what i did a lot of when i was younger um and it's just been fun to tap back into that and doing a lot more music um so That's really cool. just just yeah finding the time for those things that um you know kind of fall on the wayside by the wayside when you're when you're working a lot with long hours well, you had a very standard answer. There was a, an episode of uh, about two months in the beginning of the pandemic. We had uh, Catherine McNamara on. You know, she was on oh, yeah, Arrow, yeah, yeah, Shadowhunters, and we asked her the same question. You know, like how how's quarantine? What's it like? And I guess her mom was in the medical profession and scared her to death about COVID. And this was in oh, the very wow. beginning when nobody knew what it, what it was, and she isolated herself by herself with no other human beings for ten weeks, and. <laughs> My social media was like, come on, that's not true. There's no way she didn't see a person for 10 weeks. And we, we still can't get over the fact that Catherine McNamara. And that's what I think of whenever I saw Arrow or Shadowhunters. All I thought about was she's all by herself. She's literally all by herself in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so when I asked, when I asked, I cringed because I was like, oh, my God, you could have one of those answers. And I'm going to have to answer this again. So I was very gingerly when I when I when I tiptoed. 
but you're you're yeah. you're, you're with you said uh, you you have a fiance or family yeah. or something. who are you living with what, what's your what's your quarantine situation um well i live i live in vancouver and i live with my fiance and my cousin currently which is fun oh. it's like a it's like a modern family type um, <laughs> i was gonna say come on rom- you know sitcom situation yeah. um but we actually drove out my parents have a, a place in alberta in the mountains so um, my fiance and I drove out about three months ago just because we wanted to, you know, have a change of scenery and get away. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Just get it, get a get a break. Obviously I think this summer is not looking the way that most of us anticipated it would look. So just taking it one day at a time, but it's just, again, Canada is, is gorgeous and, and we're, we feel very fortunate just to be able to go hiking and, and be out in nature regularly. And I, I've just been cooking, really into cooking and reading and so I just fun. feel very rejuvenated. So I'm ready for things to hopefully <laughs> go back to normal somewhat soon. Very, very, very cool. Well, Jordan, I, I can't thank you enough for taking some time and, and, and joining us and, you know, helping to, to look at a show that, that it's certainly going to be in the lexicon of, of, of superhero comic book shows for, for forever. And it's quite a legacy to live up to. And uh, you were amazing in, in, in the show. There's no, no secret about that. And uh, we just look forward to seeing more things. And I hope you'll come back. And when you can tell us about your next projects, you'll promote them here. (laughs) Totally. Thank you so much for having me, Seth. And I'm super proud to be a part of this amazing show. So happy to talk about it whenever. How can people find you online? How can people, uh, do you do the social media stuff? Yeah, I'm Instagram is the main one that I do. I don't, I'm not like a... I don't know. I try to take breaks from my phone so that I um, don't go crazy. But Instagram is the the one I use. I have Twitter as well, um, Jordan C. Robbins. But then uh, Instagram is the main one, Jordan Claire Robbins. So I'm on there. Wow. Well, folks, we're going to end this podcast the way we do whenever we have somebody. If there is anything that you heard in this podcast that you want to ask her about, reach out to her directly and leave me the hell out of it. (laughs) Fantastic. Jordan, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Seth. Have a great day. That's Jordan Claire Robbins, and this is the Hall of Justice. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to support the show, uh, even during a pandemic, when no one's in cars and no one's in gyms and no one's going anywhere, but you're still listening to the show, and I really, really appreciate it. Our thanks to Jordan Claire Robbins. Go see The Umbrella Academy. Season 2 is out on Netflix. Believe it or not.